0: This is a brief recording to help orient you to the nervous system. The nervous system's primary function is to transfer and exchange information. And there are some basic components to the nervous system. The neuron, also known as the nerve cell, is the basic cellular unit of the nervous system the microprocessor of the brain that's responsible for conducting impulses from one part of the body to another. There are several components to the neuron. The cell body is known as the soma, and this is made up of the nucleus and cytoplasm within the cell membrane. The stem or axon transmits signals away from the neuron's cell body to connect with other neurons and cells. Dendrites collect incoming signals from other neurons and send the signal toward the neuron's cell body. So, the three parts of the neuron are the cell body known as the soma, the stem or axon, and the dendrites. The nervous system is composed of two separate but interconnected divisions. The first is the central nervous system, which is comprised of the spinal cord and the brain. And the second is the peripheral nervous system, which is composed of the peripheral nerves that connect to the central nervous system, to the receptors, muscles, and glands. But it also includes in the peripheral nervous system the cranial nerves, which are just outside the brain stem. Composed of the somatic nervous system and the autonomic nervous system, the somatic nervous system, a subdivision of the peripheral nervous system, conveys information from the central nervous system to skeletal muscles. And this is responsible for voluntary movements, that is the somatic nervous system. The autonomic nervous system, a subdivision of the peripheral nervous system, is, an, is what regulates internal bodily functions to maintain homeostasis. It conveys information from the central nervous system to smooth muscle, cardiac muscle, glands responsible for involuntary movement, and it's divided into sympathetic and further parasympathetic. So in the sympathetic nervous system this is the excitatory division and this prepares the body for stress also known as the fight or flight. Uh, And this stimulates um, increases in activities of bodily organs, heart rate, respiration, etc. The parasympathetic nervous system maintains or restores energy, inhibits or decreases activities of the organ. And this may be in the freeze mode. neuroanatomy of the brain. Brain tissues are categorized as either white matter or gray matter. White matter is the myelinated axons of neurons. Gray matter is composed of nerve cell bodies and dendrites and it's the working area of the brain. This contains the synapses or area of the neuronal connections. The outermost surface of the brain structure to contain the grooves and dips of corrugated wrinkles within the brain tissue to provide anatomical landmarks and or reference points. The function is to increase the brain's surface area. This increases working area and cell communication. The grooves and dips, named by size and depth, Sulci; those are the small shallow grooves, and fissures are the deeper grooves extending into the brain. Gyri are the raised tissue areas, and there are distinct anatomical areas of the brain, and the brain is subdivided into the cerebrum and the brainstem. Now, a little bit about the cerebrum. The cerebrum is the largest part of the brain, which is divided into two halves, the right and the left cerebral hemispheres. The left hemisphere is dominant in most people. It controls the right side of the body and the right hemisphere controls most of the left side of the body. Normal functioning requires effective coordination of two hemispheres. Both hemispheres connected by a large bundle of white matter. That large bundle of white matter connecting both hemispheres of the brain is known as the corpus callosum, an area of sensory-motor information exchange between the two hemispheres. Each hemisphere is divided into four major lobes, which works in an interactive and integrated manner, and each with a distinct function. The frontal lobe, which is the largest most developed lobe, functions include, motorically, Uh, control of the voluntary motor activity of specific muscles. In the premotor area, this coordinates movements of multiple muscles and within the association cortex allows for a multimodal sensory input to trigger memory and lead to executive decision-making. The seat of executive functions, that is, working memory, reasoning, planning, prioritizing, sequencing, behavior, insight, flexibility, judgment, impulse control, behavioral cueing, intelligence, and abstraction, is at the seat of executive function within the frontal lobe. Language is processed through Barocca's area, and this is expressive speech, Expressive speech through Baroka's area, and then personality variables, the most focal area for personality development, also takes place in the frontal lobe. Problems in the frontal lobe can lead to personality, emotional, and intellectual problems, changes, challenges, etc. The temporal lobe functions here include Wernicke's area, and this is the area of receptive speech, or language comprehension, and it's the primary auditory area. This is also the primary area for memory and emotion, and the integration of vision with sensory information. Problems in the temporal lobe can lead to visual or auditory hallucinations, aphasia, or amnesia. The occipital lobe. The occipital lobe functions include, this is where the primary visual cortex resides, integration into this area with vision and sensory information, Problems in the occipital lobe can lead to visual field deficits, blindness, and visual hallucinations. The parietal lobe functions include primary sensory area, taste, reading, and writing. Problems in the parietal lobe can lead to sensory perceptual disturbance and agnosia, spelled A-G-N-O-S-I-A, agnosia. So we should look that up to make sure we know what that means. Cerebrum includes important areas of the brain, including the cerebral cortex, the limbic system, the thalamus, the hypothalamus, and the basal ganglia. Cerebral cortex controls a wide array of behaviors. It controls the contralateral, or opposite, side of the body. The right hemisphere controls the left side, and the, and the left hemisphere controls the right side. Sensory information is relayed from the thalamus and then processed, integrated in the cortex. The cerebral cortex is responsible for much of the behavior that makes us human, such as speech, cognition, judgment, perception, and motor function. The limbic system, this is an essential system for the regulation and modulation of emotions and memory. It is composed of the hypothalamus, thalamus, hippocampus, and the amygdala more specifically. The hypothalamus plays key roles in various regulatory functions such as appetite sensations of hunger and thirst, water balance, circadian rhythms, body temperature, libido, and hormonal regulation. The thalamus controls sensory relay except for smell. Now, modulates flow of the sensory information to prevent overwhelming the cortex. Think of it as a delay processing center. This regulates also emotions and memory and it's related to affective behaviors. The hippocampus regulates memory and converts short-term memory into long-term memory. And the amygdala is responsible for mediating mood, fear, emotion, and aggression. It is also responsible for connecting sensory smell information with emotions. The basal ganglia, also known as the corpus striatum, is the feedback system which modulates and stabilizes the somatic motor activity. Information is conveyed from the central nervous system to skeletal muscle through this feedback loop. The corpus striatum also plays a role in the movement initiation and functions in learning and automatic actions such as walking and driving a car. These are the automatic functions. Contains extrapyramidal motor symptom nerve track and functions in Involuntary motor activities such as muscle tone, posture, coordination, muscle movement, and common reflexes. Many psychotropic medications can affect the extrapyramidal motor and nerve tract, causing involuntary movements and side effects. The corpus striatum contains both the caudate and the putamen. Problems in the basal ganglia, also known as the corpus striatum, can lead to bradykinesia, hyperkinesia, and dystonia. The brainstem includes the midbrain, the pons, the cerebellum, the medulla, the cere- cerebellum, excuse me, the reticular formation system, and it is made up of cells that produce neurotransmitters. The midbrain houses the ventral tegmental area and the substantia nigra. This is where dopamine is made in the midbrain. The pons houses the locus ceruleus and this is where norepinephrine is made. The medulla together with the pons contain autonomic control centers that regulate internal bodily functions. The cerebellum, which is responsible for maintaining equilibrium, acts as a gross movement control center, balance, and posture. Each hemisphere of the cerebellum has an ipsilateral control, that is to say, the same side of the body of the cerebellum. So right cerebellum controls right side, which is different than the cerebrum. Problems with the cerebellum can lead to ataxia and uncoordinated inaccurate movements. The Romberg test is an important test for detecting deficiencies in cerebellar functioning. The reticular formation system, this is the primitive brain. This receives input from the cortex, an integration area for input from post sensory pathways. It innervates the thalamus, the hypothalamus, and the cortex. Regulation functions include involuntary movement, reflexes, muscle tone, vital signs control, blood pressure, respiratory rate. It is critical to consciousness and the ability to mentally focus, to be alert and pay attention to environmental stimuli. Now that we've reviewed the anatomy of the brain the symptoms that may arise within each section, it's important that you go back and think about them so that you will know when a symptom is manifesting perhaps what part of the brain may be uh, causing it. We have no direct way to visualize and we have no biomarkers in psychiatry. So what we do is we look for a constellation of symptoms that present themselves in an organized manner where we arrive at the diagnosis or syndrome which we call mental illness. So it's important that you become very familiar with the different parts of the brain and the various functions they control so that if I were to give you a test question that said uh, the patient is having difficulty uh, understanding and appears to have a receptive um, aphasia, you would know that I'm referring to say we're Nikki's area. Likewise, if they are having trouble expressing themselves secondary to a stroke, you would know that there is perhaps a problem in Baroka's area. Hope you find this helpful.